Warning, the following contains explicit material and language. Listener discretion is advised. Love. It's a beautiful thing. It can make you feel like you're flying. And it can make you feel like your world is ending. Some will go their entire lives without ever finding love. Some find it many times. For those who have found love, it can be the greatest thing in the world. But for some, it can be the greatest curse. So Gross Productions and the Hellscape presents Till Death Do Us Part Hi everybody, it's Nels, creator and showrunner of The Hellscape. Welcome to episode 2 of Till Death Do Us Part. We apologize for the delay. Enjoy the episode. Till Death by Tanya Hagel My very first memory of her was watching the sunlight make her curly locks glow. I couldn't resist awkwardly running my fingers through its silky softness. My hand was always bent funny, so the motion of my hand was jerky and rough. She turned to look at me. There was a moment of surprise in her cornflower blue eyes that melted into a smile on her perfectly pouty lips. A soft giggle escaped her. (laughs) I tried to pull away from her, but I couldn't. From that day on, I knew we would be joined at the hip for the rest of our lives. The first day of school, I was so excited to have her with me. We were best friends, whispering secrets to each other, even though we always knew what the other was thinking. Our favorite time was recess. We would run and play on the school grounds. At the time, we thought we were too fast for the other kids because we would turn around and find that we were the only ones at the swings. We didn't mind. We We always had each other. other. It It was was when when the the snow snow started started falling falling that final year in school that the joy of being around each other faded. The cold made me slower, and I no longer had the strength to do what Harper wanted to do. I often fell asleep in class. My grades were never as good as Harper's, so I had to work extra hours to keep my grades up. Harper tried so hard to help me with my schoolwork because we knew we could just not be separated. Harper even got in trouble for trying to wake me up before the teacher noticed I was asleep. Soon, both our parents were called into the school to discuss our attachment and what could be done. It was obvious we were holding each other back. We fought all the time and made each other miserable. We blamed each other for everything and started to hurt each other in ways we never thought possible. Even we knew we needed a specialist. Both Both our our parents parents came came to the appointment with us. They looked haggard and couldn't even look at me. I felt like they were blaming me for everything. If Riley cried, everyone glared at me. My mother would not look at me. It was as if she was disgusted by me. My father was barely standing. I could smell the beer on his breath when he leaned in and whispered in my ear. You never should have been born, you twisted little troll. First you're ruining our lives, and now you're ruining Riley's. With each appointment, it became blatantly obvious that even the specialist agreed with our parents that it was best if we parted. 
Together, we were doing nothing more than destroying each other's hearts. That night, I lay there contemplating how everyone had sided with Riley. Her delicate beauty and normally carefree attitude was blinding them to the real problem. Riley was holding me back. Riley needed to be the one to go. I was mentally and emotionally stronger. Though my body was twisted and bent, I was stronger. It was her weakness that brought us all to our knees. Why should I be removed from this life that I had carefully curated just because I was a twisted little troll? I knew what had to be done. One last time, I reached over and awkwardly ran my fingers through her golden locks, memorizing the silky softness. My fingers trailed down to her neck. It was so thin, it fit in the grasp of my one hand. I barely saw the smile spread across her perfect lips. Before closing my other hand around her throat, I gently kissed her on the forehead. I slowly increased the pressure until her cornflower blue eyes flew open. Her hands feebly clawed at mine. She grew weaker until she just stopped moving. It was harder to kill her than I thought. My heart felt more alive for it. In the silence, I heard someone walking down the hall. I rolled back and closed my eyes as if I were asleep. The hall light flicked on, and a scream echoed through the house. My eyes opened. From the look on Mother's face, I could tell that my groggy fumbling was not to be believed. She felt for a pulse on Riley's neck, and found the small, rhythmic pulse of my own heart, the same heart that had been keeping us both alive. We were rushed to the hospital where my twin was surgically removed from my body. I fought for my survival, and I lived. For this, I sit here in this electric chair, saying my final words. You know, this is the only way to be free of each other, right? <sighs> Till death do us part. Mugs and Kisses Part 2 by Prismatic Gaze A couple of weeks have gone by since I first laid eyes on you, but already I feel like I've known you my whole life. Your consistency is that of the finest brood espresso, paired with your silken voice that makes my head spin like steamed milk. The way you flip the pages of that book with your fingers so delicately, just as foam rests on the top of a latte. Your taste in literature is fascinating. Alas, it would seem that I'm not the only one noticing that today. Pillow thoughts, huh? <laughs> it's not what you think. <laughs> so, it's not a collection of poetry about heartbreak, love, and raw emotion? Oh, on second thought, I think I'm the one that has to get their head out of the gutter. <laughs> I reckon it comes in handy. When the time is right. <laughs> it's not every day someone knows Courtney Pepperell's work. Color me impressed. She's one of my favorite authors. Water in the Soul is a good read if you haven't dabbled into that yet. The hurt is not given to you for no reason at all. So you've read it. <sighs> I bet you haven't. Something is off about this guy. I may have dabbled a bit. The name's Kyle. Of course it is. I'm Isabella. Isabella, it sure is nice to make your acquaintance. Likewise, Kyle. Say, 
If you ever fancy yourself a little get-together, we could go over some books if you'd like. Maybe over a cup of coffee. That actually sounds really nice. Great. Here's my number. Give me a holler whenever you feel like sharing those thoughts of yours. <laughs> I look forward to bouncing a few ideas off of you. The feeling's mutual. I feel like you're hiding something. Isabella is so pure to the point of naivety. I bet you spotted that a mile away as you wrapped her up with your snake-like southern charm. Kyle McKinley. Of course he'd have two first names. Probably gets off on telling people that it's of Scottish origin, stemming from the Gaelic surname of MacFiona or Finlay. Well, well, well. Looks like there is a Mrs. McKinley. She doesn't look so happy. Trouble in paradise, Kyle? Is that why you don't have any miniature versions of yourself running amok? Your wife certainly keeps busy. Nobody's ever really home. Leaving the key under the mat. And here, I thought you were a smart boy. Jeez, this house is a mess. The only thing that's in order are these guns on the rack. So, you fancy yourself a hunter, hmm? These other guns in particular, though, these are meant for the shooting range. As I suspected, your wife is an avid reader. Your bedside just has empty beer bottles, packets of jerky, and magazines. Oh, Mrs. McKinley, you certainly deserve better. Looks like Isabella is the only one I'll be saving. That is some mighty fine shooting there. Thanks. You're not so bad yourself. I get by. I usually hunt for game on the weekends. This just helps me with my aim. A fellow hunter, huh? I make a mean deer jerky. Well, that's on the occasion that I get one. The name's Adam. Adam Foster. Kyle. McKinley. It's Scottish and comes from the name Mac Finley, which means son of the fair warrior. Called it. Well, shoot. I could really use a good shot such as yourself. Maybe you can even give me some pointers on the ground. <laughs> sure thing, bud. Only if you offer up some of that jerky. Because your wife certainly isn't offering. I'd say you got yourself a deal. There's one about a hundred yards. Make sure you aim for the opposite shoulder. Nice one, bud. Let's hurry up and catch up to it. <coughs> you go on ahead. My lungs are burning. <laughs> You're seriously out of shape, bud. I'll finish off the deer for you. Not if I get to you first. Nice and easy. Shit, he ducked. What the hell are you doing? I'm so sorry. I thought I could hit the deer again. Bullshit! You just tried to dick Cheney me! Plan B. Good thing I brought a hunting knife. I need to disarm him. 
It was an honest mistake. Don't. Take a step closer. Look, man. Here. Take my damn gun if you don't believe me, alright? Lay it down on the ground. And kick it over here. You got it. What what kind of sissy-ass kick was that? <sighs> my legs are still tired from running. Ugh. I'm gonna beat you crazy out of you. Time to dig into that flesh. <laughs> You so bitch! You broke my nose! <coughs> the hurt is not given to you for no reason at all. What the fuck are you talking about? It is meant to be felt. <coughs> to be held. You sick fuck! to be released. You may not have read the book, but your body will certainly water the soil of this forest. My love for Isabella will take root in her heart, and soon she'll see that we are meant to be. Six Feet Apart by C.L. Cabrera I blink up at the white valleys of the popcorn ceiling and silver specks blink back. Insomnia. Mostly everyone in my generation has it. Something in our wiring. We just don't know how to shut down. The TV is muted but a black-and-white film flashes against the wood panel walls aggressively enough to make up the difference. I pretend I don't notice when he climbs in next to me. Dennis. The man who thinks he owns me. The sheets pull tight and I wait, the fabric grazing my bare nipples. Is it wrong of me to want this? Claim his attention however he's willing to give it to me? His hand travels up my thigh and I close my eyes as he pulls aside the panties he dressed me in days before. Touch me. Don't touch me. Touch me. I can't move until he turns me on. Please, turn me on. I need to feel something. He spreads my thighs and I refuse to rouse as he takes what he wants. Rutting. There's not a better word for the emotionless fuck he gives me. Rolling off me as quickly as he'd crawled on top. A red cherry lights up in the darkness and smoke lazily dances with the shadows. Hey, doll. I taste the alcohol on his breath, refusing to respond. What's wrong with you? He pulls my hair until I face him. Is it that bad to be close to me? I wanted to say yes. Ask him to leave and never come back. Instead, I study the constellation of acne on his face until his calloused palm covers my mouth. He puts out his cigarette on my shoulder and he pushes me into the bed. 
The pain. The smell. I try to pull away or buck him off, but I can't. You cost too much not to work. Cum drips onto the bed from my pussy as he shakes me. Hadn't I worked? Laid there and took it like he wanted? I'm going out. Don't wait up. With that, I'm alone again. Alone and dirty. The next day, I'm stuck to the bed where my shoulder oozed. Little light travels through the stained curtains. Repulsion. I could move. But I don't want to. What's the point? The television is my only friend, and I find solace in the never-ending string of captions. A special I've never seen plays on repeat. A woman who knew how to get her hands dirty sits before a jury for the fourth time that day. Bobbitt stares into the camera, and I see the darkness in her eyes. I have that same darkness. My fingers itch to wrap around a kitchen knife, and it's that itch that gets me off my back. Hey, doll. I'm home. Dennis finds me in the kitchen. I wave at the oven before hiding my dirt-stained hands in my pocket. His eyes skip over me and land on the source of the heavenly smell. His lopsided grin makes my insides boil. You made dinner? I nod and allow him to pull me close, smiling back. My hands travel from his chest to his belt. <laughs> we'll never be this close again. I fall to my knees and let him struggle with his fly, waiting as he pulls out my trophy. I snatch the meat scissors from the counter and make my cut. It doesn't all come off at once, and I must wait as he flops to the floor and covers the linoleum with blood. He loses consciousness, and I kneel once again. The final cut comes with a loud snip, and I toss his dick on the cutting board before propping the back door open. I roll him onto our sheets and grab the bottom corners. He weighs less than I'd imagined, but he bled more, so I guess we're even. TV had taught me that bodies should be buried at a certain depth. He'll never be closer than six feet. I sit next to him and use my feet to push him over the edge. He wakes when he hits the bottom. I grab the shovel as he scrambles up the side of the hole. His incoherent shouts become screams when I chop off his fingers with the blade of the shovel. The handle leaves splinters in my palms as I bring it down on his head, over and over. I'd spent weeks digging his grave. He wouldn't be wasting one more minute of my time. I stop my barrage when silence returns, and I begin the work of filling the hole with dirt. I wasn't made for hard labor, and I find myself near collapse by the time he's covered. I needed to take a break. Slowly, I make my way back to the kitchen. Dinner burns in the oven, and thick smoke churns lazily along the ceiling. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I should have planned ahead for this. I slam the door in frustration. But did it really matter? I didn't need to breathe. Turning off the oven, I headed to the closest outlet. I bend over and open the compartment on my shin, pulling out an extension cord. Everything would be fine once I was charged. I plug myself in and wait. My generation of sex dolls only takes 30 minutes. Dennis was right. I was too expensive not to work.
Till Death was written by Tanya Hagel and featured Tegan Burke as the twins and Dane Peterson as the father. Mugs and Kisses Part 2 was written by Prismatic Gaze and featured William Hopkins as Stanley, Molly Rock as Isabella, and Matt Mangum as Kyle McFinley. Six Feet Apart was written by C.L. Cabrera and featured Isla Murdoch as The Doll and Nels Gross as Dennis. This has been a So Gross production. Stay tuned for the next and final episode of Till Death Do Us Part. Ha, 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 ha.